Welcome back to the Happy Hour, a palate cleansing podcast, where we talk about happy news and creative solutions to the issues of today. And we believe news is best heard over a glass of your favorite drink, whatever that may be. I'm Malachi Wade. And I'm Shaylin Martos. And today we have some news about immigrant farm workers' rights, deep sea photography, and an interview with the co-founders of Sound Meditation Presents to talk about how sound can both pump us up and keep us grounded. And stick around for a special cocktail. Of course. Of course. Naturally. Let's get started. Back when Shelter in Place started in March 2020, immigrant agricultural workers didn't stop working. Alongside their heightened risk of COVID, undocumented farm workers also face unfair labor conditions and fear of deportation from ICE. There are about 3 million farm workers estimated to be in the U.S., and around one-third to one-half of them live in California, according to the Center for Farmworker Families. That's about 500,000 to 800,000 people. Now, the federal government may pass a bill that would be a huge positive step for farmworker rights in the U.S. The Farm Workforce Modernization Act just passed in the House and is headed for the Senate. If the bill passes in the Senate, it will make nearly half a million California farm workers eligible for work permits if they have already worked in agriculture for at least six months and could also provide access to green cards if they continue to work in the industry. This bill would also benefit farm owners because the current H-2A guest worker visa program has long been criticized by farm owners for being too expensive, according to KQED. This is an important factor in the bill's future because it affects more than just immigrant workers, and that means that it does have some bipartisan support from Republicans. Also, the Department of Homeland Security would run a program allowing H-2A visa holders to transfer to another farm when their contract is up rather than requiring them to leave the country. I mean, that's that's huge for, for especially migrant farm workers. Like, hopefully this shit works out. I hope so, too. Moving on, the library is one of the most integral social services cities provide to the community. Not only do they promote literacy, but public libraries provide internet access, job training, health and wellness classes, after school programs, and so much more. Starting April 19th, the Oakland Public Library will launch OPL Express and allow in-person browsing and internet access, according to Oakland side. 16 OPL Express branches will open their doors for getting a new library card, checking out books, and printing documents, but no live in-person events right now. Certain safety protocol must be followed in the library. Masks must be worn at all times. Temperatures will be taken at the door. You know, pretty much the common thing that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. There will only be seating at computers, so no finding a spot to curl up and read. And social distancing must be followed inside. The staff also quarantines returned items for 24 hours after being returned. There are still classes and events available online and over the phone, which you can find at oaklandlibrary.org. There's also free meal pickups every Wednesday and Friday at 11 a.m. at the OPL 81st Avenue branch. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. I hope that other public libraries start to open up, too. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, they've had um, sidewalk pickups. Mm -hmm. for a while but it's like something totally different just being able to have that internet access is something that's so important to those experiencing homelessness Mm -hmm. those that don't have a stable income like i don't even know how many times i've gone to a library just to print out a resume so yeah and an update about pfizer's vaccine trials on children aged 12 to 17. they're reporting 100 percent efficacy and robust antibody response according to npr Pfizer is set to submit their data to the FDA in the coming weeks. 
Speaking of vaccines, anyone who's gone through the Moscone Center vaccine line in San Francisco knows about their slightly corny but uplifting playlist. According to an article from the SF Chronicle, the largest vaccination station in the city is playing upbeat throwbacks and current bops to raise spirits for those working and waiting in line. Some are pretty corny and something you'd hear at your grandpa's 4th of July barbecue, like the Beatles' Here Comes the Sun and I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. But there's also some hits from this century, like Sleepyhead by Passion Pit and Happy by Pharrell. We're seeing a theme here. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine if it was just like all Rage Against the Machine? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're, you're about to get like a shot. It's just like, (laughs) just Rage rage Against the Machine and um, Enema of the State. And Edema of the State, and it's just like ska playing in the background. It's just the specials. It's just the specials. A message to you, Rudy. And you're like, what the fuck did I come here for? Sometimes confusion is the best cure for stress. (laughs) The Chronicle article has a playlist with a few of those tracks that we've linked below if you want to groove along with Moscone Center visitors and workers. We were curious about how music can uplift and calm us during hard times, so we reached out to some folks who could talk about sound healing. So next up, we have a conversation with Simona Asanovsky and Guy Douglas, co-founders of Sound Meditation Presents, which provides sound bath experiences to folks. It was first in person, Mm -hmm. but since the pandemic, they've shifted online. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Simona Azanovsky and Guy Douglas, the co-founders of Sound Meditation Presents, here to talk about music and sound healing. Pronouns she, her, and he, him, respectively. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you could give us a brief explanation of how you got started and started your business together, and also what you do during the pandemic. So we used to be a really large-scale meditative events company. We would host sound baths and sound meditation sessions for anywhere between 200 and more regularly 1300 people and it's a big passion of ours like this is definitely a really heartfelt thing for both guy and i Um, we really want to share this tool that helps people relax so during the pandemic we were like oh my god how are we going to share with our community so we actually um, jumped on right away about a month after the pandemic we found a platform that will allow us to do live streaming and have videos recorded. So we were like, oh, let's build like a virtual sound healing sanctuary, like a sound sanctuary people can keep in their pocket. And then we can do live streams with our community every week. So that's what we've been doing during the pandemic. We've built an online community of about a thousand people. We're growing and we're sharing. And we get to, we have the huge privilege of sharing the sound, which is a huge gift. Having to do that shift into an online format is quite difficult. And then being able to, you know, build that community is 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 awesome for for your company, for yourselves, for the community as well. Um, Guy, can I ask you what your sound baths are kind of like? What they entail? Kind of, if if I were to join, what what could I expect? Creating a space for people to kind of get out of our heads is really what it's about. I mean, I think right now in this day and age, we are juggling around just more information than ever. There's so much kind of uncertainty. And of course with COVID, like the disorientation everyone's feeling and 
really just finding a way to relax our nervous systems and get out of our heads for a little bit. So like, that's really the intention when we do these events and like, it's really the instruments, the instruments themselves are, you know, very um, mysterious and, and kind of ancient and old. And like a lot of the stuff we use, the Tibetan bowls and the gongs, the way they play off each other. Uh, and it's just really amazing. When I first heard these sounds, I just thought to myself, this is the sound of peace. I mean, this is truly what that is. And the sounds themselves are designed to cancel out the mind chatter and allow you to drop into uh, a deeper meditative state, which can be challenging to kind of sit in silence and clear your thoughts. But with the sounds, the sounds kind of do all the work for you. It's such a great introductory to anyone that's looking to like explore meditation or something. I feel like sound meditation is a wonderful step in the door. So I think, you know, we we touched on this. Guy, you spoke on it. And uh, Simona, I'd like to to just ask you from you and, and Guy and, and some of your community, how, how does sound healing promote wellness and happiness for you? So I practiced yoga for about seven years, pretty much daily practice, and I never had a solid meditation practice. Um, I found a lot of solace in the movement. I find that my mind calmed down, but I could never just sit still for an extended period of time. And whenever I tried, I would be just bombarded by all these thoughts, which is an important part of your meditation practice, the awareness of um, kind of how neurotic our minds are. <laughs> it's an important yeah. level of awareness. But that being said, a lot of um, it wasn't until I found sound meditation that I was able to really drop in and taste what my friend calls like the nectar of meditation, that point of stillness and all of that relaxation that comes when your mind actually gets a break. There's this really famous meme of like, have you tried turning your mind off and turning it back on? Um, and it works. It works. It really it's really powerful. And unless people have the experience of the nectar of meditation, they're unlikely to stick with the practice. So one of the things we say is that sound meditation, it gets you to most people cannot sit and meditate or lay down and meditate for an hour straight, but they can listen and fall into a sound bath for an hour straight. So then they get into those benefits of meditation, those deep feelings of peace and calm, and also tuning into the heart and realizing what your body is feeling, how your heart is feeling, feeling more embodied. All of those benefits and all of those, that sweetness inspires people to have a deeper meditation practice and gives them an opportunity, a way to relax. And we're curious because, you know, the what spurred us to, to want to talk about this is the Moscone Center playlist that you may not think is like meditative. So do you think any aspects of sound meditation carry over uh, to this type of music? You know, there's different styles that people kind of enjoy. And with this, it's kind of like the sound of the bowls and the gongs are really where like the sound of like where all music came from is like these pure harmonic tones. The sound meditation kind of being like the birth of all music, this pure tonal mm -hmm. harmonics. If that is kind of the extreme end, it really shows us that by playing really smooth, low tones, we can slow down the human nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, there's a principle that we talk about in the world of sound meditation a lot called entrainment. Um, it just which was when our our kind of our bodies tune in and play the same rhythms as our external environments. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you're listening to a sound meditation, it's going to put you in this really deep state of peace and stillness. But when you're listening to like some fun, upbeat music, it's going to elevate you. It's going to boost your mood. We're so, music is so permeable. You know, it's literally vibration permeating through the air, moving through your body. So I think we kind of underestimate the power of music, but it's so powerful. It can shift our moods, align us, mm-hmm. everything. I think that that really shows a good reason why people feel so good specifically in like the Moscone Center because I, I've known a good amount of people who uh, over the last month or so have have gotten their vaccines at that place and every person that I know that has gotten their vaccine at the Moscone Center has commented like without me prompting them about the music and about like even if they're like it's corny like "Eh, it wasn't my thing but they're like but it was uplifting it did get people into it it's a beautiful thing i mean it's such a dismal kind of daunting thing to go through going to get a vaccine shot (laughs) you know so it's really a nice touch yeah it's not like it used to be when you just had to go to the doctor and it felt normal now it's like a really really big deal Oh, there's a concept that I really wanted to introduce that this is a perfect segue, and it's this idea of supportive sonic environments. This is kind of like a long-term vision that we have. We've been playing around with some um, kind of some visions of like having a beautiful like meditation center in a park mm-hmm. um, or having the idea that our, that whenever we gather in a public place, um, we're thinking about the sonic environment that is supporting that gathering. You know, the one thing that really comes to mind for me is like hospitals, places of where we're tender and vulnerable. We really want to be creating supportive sonic environments in those places. So it surprises me that I don't go to any hospital and there's not positive music in the waiting room and there's not soothing meditative music in every single kind of area to give people that chance to tune in and relax. That's something that I'd really like to see uh, more in the world is us recognizing the power of music to uplift and using that to create really powerful you know, environments to support you and heal you in those moments. And I feel like this Moscone Center is really thinking that way. What do both of you want people to understand about staying grounded during this difficult time? You know, just to really have hope. I mean, you know, just so important. I think like we were touching on just about taking moments of the day to really relax your nervous system, you know, taking that time to, to unplug, you know, we're just trying to add a little bit to that and Hopefully the sounds can ground you in and and, uh, bring some peace into your life. It's really the goal. Echoing what Guy said with unplugging, taking some time for Mm -hmm. yourself. We're bombarded with so much stimuli, like things are coming at us all day long. Our phone is ringing. There is distraction in every second Mm -hmm. of life. And we spend so much of our time focusing on the external. It's just as valuable to go on the internal and to heal yourself. And that is as much a contribution to society. Mm When we're all doing that, we're all more grounded and centered. So I think taking time for yourself and connecting with your body and slowing down and just kind of spending a little bit of time with yourself there, I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Turning it on and off. Yeah. So I just want to ask if, the, if there's anything else that, that you two would like to share with us. Definitely how people can find us. If they're interested in learning more about sound meditation, they want to try out a sound bath or explore it, um, we do offer a free seven-day trial on our platform. Uh, we're soundmeditationpresents.com. Wonderful. We're Sound Meditation Presents on all the social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And we're Sound Meditation Presents. That's all we want to share. It's been really, really nice talking to the both of you. Um, and I appreciate you taking your time. And I appreciate, you know, seeing this from a different perspective. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you, guys.
And we're back. Thank you so much to Simona and Guy for coming to speak with us. Now, y'all know I rep my island. And last Tuesday, the UN officially acknowledged the human rights violations that the U.S. government continues to commit against the native Chamorros of Guam. This is thanks to the decades of work by Chamorro activists and the current work of Protehi Latexin, Save Rotidian, Blue Ocean Law, and the Unrepresented Nations and Peoples Organization, UNPO. According to the Asian American Pacific Islander political publication Yappy, three UN special rapporteurs sent a joint letter to the U.S. federal government which expresses concern over, and I quote, America's increased military presence in Guam and the failure to protect the indigenous Chamorro people from the loss of their traditional lands, territories, and resources, serious adverse environmental impacts, the loss of cultural artifacts and human remains, as well as the denial of the right to free, prior, and informed consent and self-determination. In non-political speech, y'all been fucking up these people and their land, and what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, as of 2018, Guam decided that the official term is capital C-H, lowercase A-M-O-R-U, Chamoru, to honor the native spelling instead of C-H-A-M-O-R-R-O, which is the Howley spelling. Chamoru history on Guahan, the native word for Guam, reaches back 3,500 years. And within the last century of U.S. control, even though we were you know, occupied and colonized by the Spanish, also occupied by Japan. The last century of U.S. control, our food, water, land, and cultural identity have been under attack. Recently, the sacred ancestral land of Latexin, or Rotidian, which is connected to the northern Guam land's aquifer, is being bulldozed for an Air Force live firing range. Now, this is not a promise of immediate solutions. Though Chamorro activists have fought for decades for just this recognition, that the Chamorros of Guahan deserve agency in what happens on our island. And I recognize that some people think of colonization as a historical issue and not necessarily something that happens every day and today. Uh Uh And that's often taught in our history classes. But colonization is happening right now and has been this entire time. It exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. My family still deals with all of the health conditions that we have, diabetes, cancer, and it's because of the pollution that we've had. Mm-hmm. Guam has to import 90% of their food. 90% of their food because the military is just taking up all of the space. Here's the thing too, because I only really started learning about my own culture and history mm-hmm. once I studied ethnic studies in college. I, I just knew like what my family had told us. Oh, everyone in our family has high blood pressure. Why is that, mom? Because we all eat spam and mm-hmm. rice. Got it, got it. You know, that type of thing. Because Guam doesn't have a representative in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Guam doesn't have a representative in the uh, in the House of Representatives. They have someone who is like, they're a representative, but they can't vote. Yeah, uh, they're just there to so just... voice the opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Let's continue with oceanic stories. Shay, would you ever dive into a deep part of the ocean at night? Totally, totally. I just talked about Guam for so long. I would, I would definitely do that, and I might pee my suit, but mm-hmm. no one would see it if that happens. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> In the deepest, darkest regions of the ocean that people can access, photographers are advancing science through macro lenses. Blackwater photography is a scary sounding but very cool hobby, and deep dive photographers are actually helping scientists get new insight into tiny sea monsters. 
According to the New York Times, larval fish and invertebrates migrate from the depths of the ocean to the surface at night and are actually part of one of the largest migrations of organisms on the planet, known as the diurnal vertical migration. Most of these organisms are no bigger than a pencil eraser, but macro photography blows them up with shocking details and colors. Researchers have started to recruit deep sea photographers, many of whom aren't scientists, to collect specimens and photograph them so that scientists can start to understand these tiny creatures through their DNA and natural habitats. According to the Times, scientists have recruited about a dozen divers who have collected more than 60 specimens thus far. It's exciting to see that deep sea photographers turned scientists who work in complete darkness can shed some light on the mysteries of our oceans. You had to throw that in there. I did. <laughs> Best thing I've ever written in my life. <laughs> I just like, I really like in that article itself, mm -hmm. having those photos side by side with the specimens, like they the were dead so cool. preserved specimens that, that the scientists do have. And then the photos of the bright, mm -hmm. beautiful, like alive, in action, actual fish. Yeah. And, and something cool about the diurnal vertical migration is that it happens in every single ocean around the entire world. So scientists, oh, wow. it's a bit of a mystery and they're they're hoping that this will help them understand a little bit more of, you know, why that happens. Wow. Right? Awesome. This is why I love that we take different stories. I know. <laughs> they're like, what? Tell me more. Oh, my God. <laughs> and for our last story of this week, you may be wondering, and we sure are, as things start to open up and an end to the COVID-19 pandemic feels less like a pipe dream. Will I still be able to drink outside and take drinks to go? That's a really important question, Shay. <laughs> exactly. It, it may seem vapid, but selling roadies has been a boon. Well, not roadies. I mean, you can't drink them on the road, but I just like the word. Mm -hmm. It's been a boon for some restaurants and bars struggling to make ends meet. According to SFGate, right now, restaurants can only serve alcohol in outdoor spaces and in sealed to-go containers, thanks to regulatory relief allowed by the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, or ABC. Some of these looser restrictions may end after the pandemic ends, but multiple legislators are trying to make boozy outdoor spaces more permanent. Senator Scott Weiner introduced Senate Bill 314 in February, which will make serving alcohol in expanded outdoor areas and parklets permanent. Assemblymember Jesse Gabriel introduced Assembly Bill 61 in December 2020, which apparently would make it easier to build permanent outdoor dining areas in the public right-of-way for two years after regulatory relief. So we're not a fan of that one because it's a huge accessibility issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But another is Senate Bill 389, introduced by Senator Bill Dodd. This would allow licensed businesses to continue selling alcoholic drinks in sealed containers or bottles for pickup and delivery after the pandemic. But now Governor Gavin Newsom announced that California would end its colored tier system and open up most of the sectors of the economy on June 15th. So <laughs> the bars and restaurants will be fully open with masking and other basic restrictions, but we're just really not sure what's going to happen now. We're not sure of much of anything these days, honestly. <laughs> but speaking of cocktails, it's time for our favorite part of the show, our tailor-made cocktail recipe. You know, we've had a week, and you've probably had a week as well. And sometimes you just want to take every liquor in your cabinet and pour it into a bowl. So this week, we've got a strong drink that can be made even stronger, our version of a fishbowl cocktail inspired by gorgeous larvae from the deep, dark ocean. This is Scale It Up or Scale It Down. 
Some of us have seen these before at restaurants, a huge bowl filled with a bunch of different alcoholic substances in bright colors, maybe some juice, a bunch of straws, and sometimes even Swedish fish. Yum. This is usually something you make in excess and drink with multiple people. And you can do that if you like, but this starter recipe will do for just one person. Here's what you'll need. First, some blue curacao, which is a bright blue liqueur made from the dried peel of a citrus fruit from the island of curacao in the Caribbean. It seems a little fancy schmancy, but it's actually very, very common Mm -hmm. to buy. And it's really sweet. Then you'll need coconut rum, some limeade, and edible luster dust, which adds a pretty smooth shine to any drink. And you can get it for pretty cheap um, online. Also, if you go to like bakery shops, Mm -hmm. we recommend gray, blue or green in color. And like the curacao, the grenadine, and the St. Germain we've also talked about in the podcast, this is a special ingredient that you can use over and over to impress folks with your bartender skills. And for a mocktail version, you're going to use non-alcoholic blue curacao syrup, limeade, your favorite lemon-lime soda, and that lovely, lovely luster dust. So you pour two ounces of rum and one ounce of curacao into a tumbler. Then you add two ounces of limeade and a quarter of a teaspoon of your luster dust. Then you'll stir the mix in the tumbler. You don't want to shake it with ice. You're actually going to put crushed ice into your glass, then pour the drink on top. For the mocktail, you'll fill a glass with crushed ice, then four ounces of limeade, an ounce of curacao syrup, and top it off with soda. Then mix in your quarter teaspoon of luster dust. If you are making a punch bowl for a group, multiply these measurements by how many people are drinking. So, you know, two ounces, you got four people, that's eight ounces, Mm -hmm. yeah? Simple multiplication. Math. (laughs) You can also add some peach schnapps and some vodka if you want to party. Be careful because these things do get... They They get boozy real fast. They get boozy. And I would like to say that they sneak up on you, but they do not sneak up on you. It's like a punch to the face. It's right there. It's like a fruit fish bowl punch to the face. Yeah, you can see it coming. You know what you're in for. Yeah, definitely. It's blue. And just like the mocktail, you'll want to build this punch bowl over crushed ice because, of course, it's just too much to mix in a shaker. And last but not least, garnish with a little drink umbrella. Now you're not sad, you're classy. And you can take this cocktail, kick up your feet, and watch Blue Planet. (laughs) Exactly. And now it's time for our last call. Malachi, what's making you happy this week? I have a a few things that are making me happy. My dad got his first dose of his vaccine last week. Wonderful. Um, Or two weeks ago now, I guess, since... No, it was last week. Yeah, we're good. Um, And then I'm getting vaccinated next week along with my sister. We're actually getting vaccinated on the same day. Not the same time, but the same day, you know, which means that we can go through whatever potential symptoms we have together. So, you know, camaraderie. (laughs) And then... A week ago, I also had a really nice vacation with my partner uh, where we just played a really cute video game. I recommend it. It's called It Takes Two if you like collaborative games. Also, and circling back to the vaccine thing, um, I went on vaccinespotter.org to find my appointment. And the nice thing about it is you can put in what particular vaccine you're looking for. So I wanted the Johnson & Johnson. Uh um, So I put that in and it just showed me places that have the J&J, which is like Rite Aid, Walmart, CVS. Wow. Okay, cool. Cool. And what's making you happy, Shaylin? I actually am also getting vaccinated. I'm getting my second dose tomorrow. Woohoo. Fun thing is, me and my brother are getting ours on the same day as well. Ah, look at us. Not at the same time. We are 40 minutes apart, so we're going to go... Make a a whole thing of it. It's going to be a little little sibling date. We're going to go get vaccinated, grab some lunch, go back home, and... 
lay down and watch a lot of anime. Yeah, and then so my mom and my sister are getting theirs. Oh, I think my my dad should be getting his too. And then my mom and my sister are getting theirs like the on that Sunday. So it's just like I think by the end of this weekend we're all going to have our vaccines or at least nearly all of us. What a high to ride. I oh, it's going to be amazing, which I'm really glad that I'm going to be staying there for a few days. Mhm. Uh, making sure that that everything's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be nice. And then also last Saturday, I went to Angel Island for the first time, which was awesome. It was really, really great. It's such a beautiful place Mm -hmm. and it has such a dark history and it's just really interesting walking around. It was it was a really good time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now that the weather's good, we can go on more hikes. Definitely. I want to go to the beach again. Mm hmm. Yeah. If you want to check out our Instagram for updates about future episodes and all of our cocktails, we are at THH Podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Happy Hour News. And we'll link our website in the description as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Happy Hour. We'll be back in two weeks with more happy news and tailor-made drinks. Thank you to Armand Villamoria for our wonderful theme music and to Simona Asanovsky and Guy Douglas for speaking with us today. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. The Happy Hour is produced by Malachi Wade and Shaylin Martos.